0: Well, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. Uh, Our Waukesha campus, Pewaukee campus, our online campus, we are just so glad that you chose to spend your weekend with us. And I'm glad you're here. Hey, we're just a few days away from Christmas. Who's excited? Is anybody like, you're ready. Like gifts are done. Come on, ready to go. I'm very, very excited. Uh, But I want to ask, I want to see if you know uh, the two worst days of the holiday season. Do you know what the two worst days of the holiday season, this may be subjective, but the two worst days of the holiday season, are December 26th and January 2nd, right? Here's why. Here's why. Now, I love the holiday season. I love every part of it. Don't get me wrong. And my brother's birthday is on the 26th, so sorry, bro. But that's one of the worst days because at the end of the gifts, at the end of the day, spending your whole day in in pajamas, at the end of all the good food, all the good cookies, at the end of the confetti on New Year's, the ball drop, the midnight kiss, the champagne toast, What are you left with you're left with regret from all the cookies you ate uh you're left with some of y'all are like amens you're left with exhaustion from the hosting the shopping the parties you threw and you're left with a mess of dishes and 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 trash and wrapping paper right that's what you're left with and you're left with a 365 day countdown to do it all again it's over, right? And the worst feeling in the world is cleaning up last night's party, right? That's the worst feeling in the world. But that's why I don't really like this season of joy, the, the phrasing, season of Joy, because that doesn't really make sense to me, right? Because joy is supposed to be something that that precede. It's it's before. It's after. It's it's during. It We could say seasonal happiness. Like yeah, it's a season of of happiness for the most part. But a season of joy that doesn't really go together. Joy should be something that that is, is precede. It's it's always right. Joy is a state of of being, not just something that happens in a season. So we're going through this Advent series, right? In this Advent series, Advent means coming. Someone, something is coming. And the question for us is what are we doing to prepare? what do we need to do to prepare for the Advent season? We've got an Advent devotional that's been available to you uh, the entire month of December. And if you've been going through it, I hope that it has blessed you each morning. If not, you could still do it, right? You're, you're a few days away from Christmas, but it's not too late to start. You can do a couple a day. They're so short. You can head to our website, um, follow the link there, simple steps, and you can start going through this Advent uh, devotional. We, we've encouraged you to maybe do an Advent calendar, right? At All of this stuff. It's not just for adults it's for kids and it's even for pets yeah that's right it's for pets check this out we got a picture from a member in our church from uh uh, roxanne roxanne sent us this picture and she said this she said my grandson dylan has an advent calendar in their barn for his pet pig hash brown that's a 10 out of 10 pig name all right i don't know much pigs hash brown's a great name each morning, he starts snorting and thrashing around in his stall with extreme excitement as Dylan opens the new day for Hash Brown's Advent treat. Come on, is that not awesome or what? Hey, Merry Christmas, Roxanne, Dylan, and especially Hash Brown, all right? But Hash Brown's got this excitement. He's got this joy about him, this expectation for the treat. And it's similar for us. We wanna have this sense of expectation. We wanna have a, a sense of excitement, a sense of overwhelming joy for the coming of Jesus. But we don't wanna keep it in a season. I want it to last for you. I want it to last for me. I don't want this to just be something like, yeah, we spent 20 you know, something days preparing and getting excited for Jesus and then it's over. How can we keep the joy of the season? It reminds me of John the Baptist. Who, how cool is it that John the Baptist, Andre the Giant, Winnie the Pooh, and Chance the Rapper all have the same middle name. I think that's awesome um, for them. <laughs> I'm gonna go now. <laughs> um, so, but John the Baptist, right, when he was in, when he was in the womb, uh, it says that he leaped for joy when Mary came near while she was carrying Jesus. John the Baptist in the womb as a baby leaped for joy. But it wasn't just in the moment at at, at leaping for joy because of baby Jesus, it was 33 years later that we see John the Baptist preaching and preparing the way and and telling everybody with excitement, with joy of the coming of our Lord. He kept the joy of the season. And like us, I wanna do that. And I think for us to do that, we've gotta recognize the table. Holidays are full of the table, right? We spend a lot of time at the table. Anybody else, right? We have got a lot of meals. Maybe it's it's game nights with family. Whatever it is, we spend a lot of time at the table. For me, the table was very formative growing up. We did this thing uh, when I was growing up called good thing, bad thing. Very creative name. Uh, My wife called it happy crappy, but in my house, we didn't allow crude language. So we're still praying for her. Um, But but we did good thing, bad thing, right? And, and we'd go around and we'd share what's going on with our day and our lives, and, and it'd allow us to encourage each other and just know what's going on with each other. We could, we could talk, and it helped us to learn how to share. And I think that's, I love that. It was so formative for me, making the table a priority in my family. And today, it, it seems that, unfortunately, the dinner table, family dinner, seems to be a dying trend. At the turn of the century, in 1900, the amount of meals that were eaten outside of the home was 2%. 2% of meals were eaten outside of the home. Can you guess what it's at today? Today, 50% of meals are eaten outside the home. Teens who have between five and seven family dinners per week are twice as likely to report receiving mostly A's and B's and are between 42 and 60% less likely to get into abuse of alcohol and drugs. Younger kids most frequently consumed more fruits and vegetables while they had a rhythm and routine of eating at the table. Younger people, young adults, are emotionally and mentally healthier when they have a routine of eating at the table with family. And the average family has three meals a week together, but they only last up to 20 minutes before being interrupted by some sort of technology. And these are my two favorite statistics. Ready? On average, Americans spend more time watching a cooking show than actually cooking. Raise your hand if you're like, mm, guilty and a little bit of shame there. But no, no worries. This is my favorite statistic, maybe ever. One in five breakfasts is eaten at McDonald's. Not one in five breakfasts out. One in five breakfasts, just straight up breakfast, is eaten at McDonald's. Don't be shy, who had, breakfast? who had breakfast at McDonald's this morning? Anybody, anybody? Y'all are lying, all right? I can't blame you though, I love them hash browns, right? Them golden crispy hash browns, shout out hash brown the pig, we love you. But we can see in these statistics that there is value in the table. There's value and purpose and meaning when we can gather and sit at a table with people. Jesus thought the same thing. That's why he was constantly seen eating meals, whether it be with his disciples, whether it be with with sinners, whether it be with religious people. He ate with people who were all over the place on the religious spectrum, just trying to build relationships with one another. There's value in the table. In the same way that there's meaning and value in the metaphorical table that God has set for us through the Christmas story. Here's what I mean. In God's Christmas story... He sets a table for all different types of people. He sets a table and invites people to come and join. And I believe that us understanding the table, if we can start to look through the table, through the story of the coming Jesus, then that will open us up to keep the joy of the season. To keep the joy of the season while looking through the lens of the table that is set for us. So let's see who's invited to dinner. The story begins with the mother of Jesus, the heroic mother, Mary, who finds out that she is going uh, to bear the son of God. She is a unwed, pregnant teen. She is a walking target for ridicule in this culture. Because in this culture, this didn't just happen. You, you're not just a, a young teenage girl who gets pregnant and you, and you don't survive in this culture. You don't, you people aren't like, oh okay, no big deal. Like this is a big deal. And so Mary is experiencing shame. And that may be where many of us are today as well. Experiencing shame. And I love that God shows a seat for shame. That God makes a seat for someone that society would have overlooked, for someone that society would have ridiculed. So beautiful that he chooses to make a seat for shame. There's this drawing called Mary Consoles Eve. And the artist depicted what it would look like if Mary could encourage Eve. Mary, the one who's, who's carrying shame, uh, uh, with, with, with becoming pregnant, but really, right, she, where she carries shame, uh, God is saying, no, 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 you don't carry shame, you carry hope. You carry the hope of the world. And so Mary is, is consoling Eve, and, 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 it, and it depicts this beautiful moment of, of how could Mary have encouraged Eve who carried the shame of the world, who, who, who sin entered the world through. And in the image, you'll, you see a snake. There, there's a snake that entangles Eve on one leg and then it entangles her, her uh, uh, Mary's leg. The head is being crushed. And it represents and it, and it answers really the prophecy in Genesis 3 that the serpent will bruise his heel, will bruise Jesus' heel, but his head will be crushed in the process. And so it's this beautiful image of, of Mary comforting Eve, saying, hey, I I know that you carry the shame of the world, but can I encourage you that where we carry shame, God says, no, 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 I have hope. For you, and, and when Eve says, "I feel shamed," I, I'm going to feel I'm going to be a target of, of of ridicule in my culture. God says, no, "No, no, you're not carrying shame. You're carrying the hope of the world." And so, if you've been there, if you've ever felt shamed, if you've ever felt hurt because of your past, if you've ever felt judged, then I want to encourage you with the words from a song that was written in response to this artist's image. Someone wrote a song and they use these words and I want to encourage you with the same words if you're carrying some shame today. Eve, my sister, or you, my brothers and sisters, the one who took the fall, lift up your head. Don't hide your blushing face. The promised one is finally on his way. See, there's a reason that God chose Mary. There's a reason that God made a seat for shame because he wants to say that there is nothing you've done, nothing that you will do that could keep you from my table. So if you're carrying shame, if you feel like, man, there should be a highlight reel of my mistakes from this last year, let me encourage you, there's a seat for you at the table. There's also a seat for fear. There's a seat for fear at the table. See, Joseph, who, who's who's going to be the husband of Mary, is experiencing a little bit of fear. Look what it says when Joseph finds out in Matthew 1, 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I mean, not only is he, is he marrying the, the crazy girl in town, but he's also got to now step in and assume the role of father to the king of kings. And, and, and he finds out that his wife is pregnant from an angel. Little bit of pressure, right? Not the surprise Christmas gift you were hoping for, Joseph, was it? He's a little bit afraid, I would assume. And the angel says, do not fear. And some of us may be here, Maybe you've got questions every single day. Maybe you're putting your faith in a lot of what ifs. We're all carrying some fear. Maybe, maybe it's, hey, will I get through this season? Will I have to deal with this forever? Will I get that job? Will I get into that school? Will I ever overcome this addiction or this struggle? Will, will my family and I survive this? Maybe those are questions that you're constantly asking yourself. Maybe you're in fear of of what's next, Uh, a fear of right now, a fear of the future, a fear of of, of your past creeping up on you, whatever it looks like. See, here's the thing. The the problem is not letting fear reside. The problem is when we let fear rule. Rule. Because fear will rob our joy. It's natural to feel fear. It's normal. The, the fear is not unexpected when it comes to Joseph's situation. But the, the, the bad thing that happens is when we let it rule our lives, when we let it rule our emotions and our mind. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to choose boldness? Are we going to choose faithfulness? Are we going to choose, hey, I'm going to trust in God no matter what this Looks like. Because here's the thing if God has called you to it, then He will grace you through it. If God has called you to something, if God has called you in to something, if God is putting a dream on your heart, if God is putting a prayer on your heart, if He called you to it, you can trust that He will grace you through it. But I don't blame Joseph. I don't blame Joseph at all. I mean, when you look at his family tree, it's full of some. Pretty messed up people. You have got Abraham who lied about his wife and slept with another woman. You've got Jacob who lied to his dad, cheated his brother, and ripped off his father-in-law. A classic three for one. You got Judah who slept with uh, his son's wife thinking she was a prostitute. And you got Rehoboam who started a civil war. And you got many more kings and people in the lineage who worshiped idols, who cursed God, and who led the nation of Israel away from God. What a family tree. Someone's write a book about this. (laughs) Come on, guys, I'm trying, I'm trying, right? See, some of us are so afraid of seeing crazy Uncle Mike or whoever it is at Christmas this season. And, and, And when we look at Joseph's story, when we look at Joseph's lineage, we see a list of messed up people. But God is not afraid or overwhelmed or thrown off by your fear. He welcomes it, and he says, hey, I made a seat for you. Are you afraid or are you overwhelmed with what's going on in 2020? Are you tired? Come on, he, gave, he came to give the failures a future. He came to give the lost a light. He came to give the rejected a reason. And he came to give the fearful. He came to turn them to become the faithful. And only God can take Joseph, who comes from a rejected family, and say, no, 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 you're going to be the head of the royal family. Only God can do that. And he's saying, I'm not afraid of what you're afraid of. We need to stop looking at our fear and start looking at the God who overcomes it and says, Hey, I got you. There's a seat at the table for you. So let me ask you is your past a little shaky? Is your present full of pain? Is your future uncertain? Has 2020 just beaten you up and spit you out? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you mad at God? Fear not. Fear not. There's a seat for you. There's also a seat for the unexpected. God has prepared a seat for the shamed, for the fearful, and for the unexpected. Right? When we look at the setting of the birth of Jesus, It throws us off. It's completely unexpected. If this guy is the king of kings and and lord of lords, this is the way that God chose to introduce his son to the world. You see, Jesus wasn't born in in a castle or a palace or at Seattle Grace Hospital with Meredith Gray, right? He, He wasn't born into some luxurious place. No, he was born in a dirty, stinky barn where the animals stayed and where the poorest guests had to go. There was no bed, but there was a feeding trough. There was no cuddly blanket, just a mud and poop-stained cloth to cover the king. There was no family visitation, just some poor shepherds and the out-of-town wise men. There was no meal vouchers to the calf. There was no cute letterboard with his trendy name. It was just a scared dad, a shamed teenage girl, and a promise from God that's all they had it was an unfit place with unexpected people for an unwanted king and this is the way that God chose to introduce us to his son it's completely unexpected you see in 1848 there was a migration to the west the journey's purpose uh, was for gold It brought people from all over to the great state of California. The rush kicked off when James Marshall found gold at Sutter's Mill in Coloma, California, which then led to the great gold rush of 1849, where we get the San Francisco 49ers. And the number one place for gold was the American River that flowed through the Sierra Nevada mountain range in Sacramento. So much work went into finding gold, uh, the most valued piece of currency since 700 BC, and now today it's the most desired gift at times, like Christmas. And so much work and, and effort went into finding gold, and it wasn't found just sitting there on top of the mountain. No, it was found in in the mud and in the murky waters, in the desert, in the barren, unexpected places in the valley. Gold In the valley. And isn't it just like God to put gold in the valley? Isn't it just like God to put His Son Jesus in the most unexpected place with the most unfit people to say, no, 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 this is. Gold. This is the thing that you've been waiting for. This is, the, the, this is what is coming. This is the coming king. It's just like God. And so the next time that you feel like you may be in a valley, let me encourage you, you are in a gold mine. The next time you feel like this thing is going to break you, what if you allow the perception of joy to believe that God is actually going to use it for you, to better you, to encourage you, to bless other people? What if the thing that the enemy intended for evil, God actually intended for good and we believe that there was gold in the valley. That the thing that was supposed to break us is actually gonna be the thing that propels us. Come on, there's gold in your valley. You are standing not in a valley of brokenness and shame and fear and unexpectedness and overlooking and brokenness. You're standing in a gold mine. And that's the same way that God chose to introduce his son into the world. So, how do we respond? How how do we respond in light of the table, in light of the seats that were prepared in the Christmas story? Well, we want to keep this season of joy right? We we don't want to lose it. We don't want it to end on January 2nd when the holiday is over and we're done, right? We want to keep this season of expectation and excitement for Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, one, take a seat. Take a seat. If you feel far from God right now, if you feel like maybe you don't know a lot about him, if you feel like maybe, maybe you're, you're sitting right here and you're like, man, I, I'm, I just got too much shame. Dude, dude, if you've seen what I've been through, no. There's not a place for me, man. Maybe you're carrying some fear. Maybe, maybe you think, yeah, my, my fear, no, God can't handle it. Dude, I, I got too much junk going on in my life. Maybe, maybe you feel like the unexpected. Maybe you feel like, man, no one would expect that from me. No, 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 I'm the, I'm the last person in my family that people would expect to turn it around. No, I'm the last person that people would expect to overcome that addiction. No, 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 I'm the last person that people would expect to show up to a church and get into this whole Jesus thing. No, 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 no. I want to invite you. Take a seat. There's a seat for you take a seat and choose it every day take a seat by by coming to one of our Christmas services this week you're welcome here you belong here December 23rd and 24th come take a seat next weekend join us for our online only online only Sunday family church experience that we're having join us for that take a seat take a seat on the couch and join us Take a seat by encouraging yourself with, with, with worship music that, that, that points you back to God. Our River Glen Music just dropped an amazing EP. You can get it on wherever you stream music. Go check it out. Let it encourage you in this season. Then go share it to a friend. But I'm asking you, come take a seat. And if you're online, I wanna invite you, hey, hey, share the link with somebody the Christmas services share the link invite somebody to watch with you or I want to invite you to come come check us out come take a seat you're welcome here we're we're a come as you are church you don't have to do anything uh, to prepare or, or get ready but come come take a seat see Jesus gave us the greatest invitation of all he said are you tired are you worn out You'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the invitation to come and take a seat. There's a seat for you at the table. For those of you who maybe, maybe you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm sitting, man, I'm at the table, I've been at the table, I've been there. Like, yeah, like I'm about this. All right, then, I, then I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, make a seat, make a seat. Jesus said, "The greatest commandment of all is this: He said, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength." And the second is this: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these." So that's the thing. we can't love God and not love our neighbor. We can't worship God and not serve His people. They go together. We, we've got to say, God, I love you. If you're sitting at the table, you've got to say, How can I make room? Who in my life needs to hear about the good news of Jesus? Who in my life was broken just like me? How can I invite them to church this week for Christmas services? How can I share a link with them? How can I invite them over to my house? for dinner, for a meal, at the table, get to know him, play some cards, do whatever you want to do to make a seat. Who in your family can you love? Who in your workplace can you encourage? Who in your neighborhood can you serve? Who in your school can you befriend and, and be kind to? How can you this season make a seat and bring someone in to the table? See, God prepared a table for us. Thousands of years ago, Jesus, this baby who who was born into shame, into fear, into into an unexpected place, he would grow up to, to die. Born that man no more may die. And he would die. And every week we come to the table to remember him and to remember his sacrifice and to remember the invitation that he has for each and every one of us that there is a seat for all of us. And every week we remember by, by taking the bread, which represents his body, and then taking the juice, which represents his blood. So in a moment, we're gonna go into a time of communion. Communion. To remember what God has done for us. That this table was not just in that moment. This story of Jesus, this story of broken people, it's not just a story from a book that we tell that was written 2,000 years ago. It's the story of right now. And he's saying there's a seat for you. And that is how we keep the joy by living in it, by coming to the table every day. That's how we keep the joy of the table. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you for making a way. God, God we're, we're undeserving of the table. God, we, we don't actually belong at the table but God, when you look at us, you don't see broken, you don't see shame, you don't see fear, you don't see unexpected. God, you see your child, and and you're sitting at the head of the table, and you're saying, come. So God, I pray for all the people here who are held back by shame and fear and and, and feeling like they're the unexpected one, the overlooked one. God, I pray that whatever's holding them back, the barrier that stands between you and them, God, would you break it? Would they know that there is a path to you? And God, you are holding out your hand and you're saying, come. Not just this season, but every day. God, would we come to the table and would we in response go and be like you making room making a seat making a table making a place for others to experience the good news god would you daily remind us of the joy of the table in jesus name amen